available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. Boom, I think I nailed that one. Yeah, you actually did. How did you pick that up? (laughs) I don't know. Just uh, And I was actually thinking about... We need a screenshot. It's hard to get a screenshot, by the way. Mm. If, if you're looking down at your computer or off into space or like staring at the beautiful Trojan helmet in front of you, I can show. You I know. like how you're blaming me for all the reasons why there's. it's hard to get a screenshot. You think maybe the number one reason is that you don't give me any warning and you're just like, I'm going to take a screenshot because I'm going to look at the camera right now. Well, I'm just, you know, we're doing this as we go at the, at the end of the show. Uh-huh. You can see that beautiful Trojan helmet over there uh-huh. next to you. You may be looking at that, staring off into space. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we got to get screenshots sometimes. So sometimes I like to just hold a little extra smile, looking at the camera, and then yeah, and then you can get yeah. See, how that, about I just sit like this the entire time? That would be great. I think people would love you not like uh, talking and stuff. So it'd be good. Um, hey, we got to do a recap show. Week five in the Pac-12. I love these guys do that the whole time. Um, we are live on YouTube. Thank you guys for tuning in uh, live. I know we had a bunch of people waiting if you have comments you can put them in the uh, chat box and i will try to put them up on the screen if you have questions we'll put them there as well we have a lot of questions today uh mr woods so if you want to yeah interesting you can email us pack podcast at gmail.com uh, a lot of people know they get in they want to get in for the recap show it's the last season of the pack 12 so we're doing two shows a week i don't know i guess that's just what we're gonna do we just give that to the people we are giving the people we give it away it is free just come out and enjoy it. Uh, you could also call or text us. We got a couple of voicemails. And I think one or two texts, uh, 424-532-0678 is that number. So jump on that number. Leave us a voicemail. Send us a text. We'd love to hear from you if it's good. And if, if it's not good, we still love to hear from you anyway. You can tweet us at Pac-12 Podcast and the website where all the content goes up, Pac-12Podcast.com. And uh, we got that little Apple podcasting thing. I don't know if you can leave reviews anywhere else, but for for sure, the Apple Podcasting app. Maybe Spotify. I'm not sure. I need to check it out. Um, do we got any new ones? We should David? get a Yelp page. We don't have a physical business, but we should get a Yelp page. I think Yelp would be good. Yeah, we can get some, we can get some pretty bad reviews. We've yeah. been very lucky. Like I think maybe because we sort of like trash everybody that no one, no fan base has come in and like tried to like sync us with uh, one-star reviews or anything. Yeah. No, Calhive has not shown up. All right. We got two more reviews. Oh, we do. Okay, cool. Number one from The Huff Stuff. Oh, is that like our friend Brandon Huffman? Might be. Five-star review. Oh. Dave and Ryan, the yin and yang, the sun and the moon, peaches and cream, the beard and the sunglass tan. I like it. That's you. You're the. Beard. Am I the sunglass? You're the tan? beard. I'm the sunglass tan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Makes uh, sense. Are you peaches or cream? I think uh, I'm peaches. You think so? Yeah. I'm a fruit guy. I mean, I like cream though. Yeah, you're more of a cream guy. Okay, I'll be yeah. cream. Yeah. All right. This is from retired insurance man. Five stars. 
It says two rated, T-O-O, but I can only imagine it meant top rated for subject line. Maybe, yeah. There's typos. It's hard to get these right. This is a great podcast. I know this because I started listening to some Big Ten podcasts in anticipation of the coming move. The Big Ten podcasts are really bad. They are very serious about their conference. They think listeners don't want jokes and funny sarcasm. You guys will be a huge hit in the Midwest next year. I have a new title for you, The Podcast of Wannabes. Oh, Mm. I like it. Um, I haven't listened to any Big Ten podcasts. I have not yet either. Can Can somebody sound off in the chat? Um, and if you've listened to some Big Ten podcasts, maybe our man Perk would be a great Perk would probably um, be resource here. But yeah. I'd like to know what the state of play is in the Big Ten podcasting okay. world. Yeah, you know, if we can steal some market share immediately, we I'm sure we could. Yeah, I mean, how would not? Um, Rusty says, "Get a Patreon, you <clears throat> cowards." How about just, you know, you're here, super chat us. Just super chat us up. We didn't get any last week. Um, or do we get one? We might have got one or something. But yeah, get in there on the YouTube and super chat us. We appreciate that. I don't know. Maybe we could do a Patreon sometime. But uh, for now, I think we're sticking with uh, kind of what we got. Um, all right. Let's see. So we got our reviews. Thank you for that. Oh, I want to make sure we let everyone know. Wasn't a good week uh, for me or us uh, picking games we, we tend I, to do that i blame a certain school that you cover they screwed for us. abandoning all reason and good sense against colorado yeah um they were covering by six points at halftime yeah they were covering the second quarter yeah and a over three touchdown lead and uh did not cover but anyway picks were great i gotta bounce back this week uh over at my bookie um even though you know Aaron Rodgers' season is over, the Jets almost got a win last night, which was crazy against the defending champs. It doesn't matter, man. We're in the middle of football season. Your season has just begun over at my bookie NFL. You want to bet the Pac-12? You want to bet college ball? We have a brand new cash-out system over there that will give you the best options to bet and win all season long. I love this. If the first two legs of your parlay hit, you can cash out early and turn it over to another bet or let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. So go over to my bookie. For an entire season filled with daily odds boosts, same-day game parlays, and huge prize pool contests, right now MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash, cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. The promo code, as always, is PAC12. On your first deposit of 50 bucks or more, you can receive up to 200 in cash instantly credited to your MyBookie account. Promo code PAC12 to claim your cash bonus now. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere at MyBookie. Uh, we got a super chat from Rusty Shackle. Are you kidding e me? Easily, easily our uh, our most handsome uh, listener. Yes. Um, vital, uh, strong, um, robust, uh, absolute mountain of a man. And you give him that many accolades for two bucks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is how we prime the pump, baby. Uh, really just um, a living Adonis. Of a man. I love it. Yeah. He's great. Carlos says, uh, OnlyFans of Champions. We could do that. We could do an OnlyFans page, you know? Aria says, Dave looks like he's watching some gay porn right now. Oh. Hey, I'm I not. Mean, not at the I moment. can't tell from here. No. I, and it's not. I cannot confirm not, or deny. Yeah, it's not loud. I could say I'm, I'm thinking that's probably the case, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. But as we talked about a few weeks ago, um, on this podcast, we promise you, the listener... We will not masturbate while recording this podcast. <laughs> that was one of the 
most commented uh, segments of the show we've had, I think. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Uh, Scott wants to know, how low will the POC stoop to earn the Super Chat money? I think you just saw it. Um, I'll go lower. I will. I'll go as low as need be. Yeah. Uh, that, that, we appreciate it. Um, we, we we went all out for the five star reviews, but I mean we're giving away somebody else's stuff. You know the 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 jockey. We gotta I gotta reach out to jockey because I don't know. You know, obviously you have a partnership with a conference and the conference goes away. If that's going on, will they still want to partner with us, the podcast of champions, even if the Pac twelve goes away? I am not sure. I do have a lot of uh, I have a lot of Pac twelve stuff. Do you have a lot of Pac twelve stuff? I have like a lot of like uh, tumblers. You know, we got shirts. No, because I only went to two media days in the last like eight. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So, well, you were there for both of them. You saw me. Yeah, you were there, but I'm I'm the, always there, so that's just kind of what. Uh, oh I, yeah. If the if the question is yes, we will we will give feet. We will show feet. Yeah, if f- need be for, for the sure. We could do some yeah, feet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, new AP poll is out. Washington uh, number seven. USC and Oregon essentially switched. Oregon moves up to eight. Uh, USC is at nine, uh, Washington state all the way up to number 13, Oregon state up to 15 and Utah is at number 18 with UCLA getting votes. And I think Colorado might've had a vote. Um, but UCLA got they're in like the 27 range, I believe. But I like the fact that you have, you got three undefeated teams, which is good all in the top 10 and then three, one loss teams, uh, in, uh, the top 20. So I think a little more, you know, before we've seen in the past, David, where, one lost Pac-12 teams would, you know, oh, maybe they're 24 or something, right. but this is this is better. This is setting up well. You know, uh, home teams are doing very well here in the Pac-12, and um, yeah, I think it, I think this sets up pretty well for a great second half of the uh, season run. Yeah, you know, six top 20 teams, not too bad. Yeah, love that. Um, the survivor pool um, for week uh, for week five, we uh, both picked Oregon. And we advanced, which is, uh, that was very nice. The results were 100 people entered week five, 84 survived. So we had, most people took Oregon. We had some Cal, 20 people took Cal. They were like sweating it. Uh, 11 people took USC, eight took Washington. A little sweat there too. Uh, One took Oregon State, um, pretty bold. And then uh, five losers were all Arizona State. And uh, Matthew says, not a bad move if you were trying to make it all 12 weeks, but it did not work. Uh, 10 people didn't pick, and uh, one so, someone picked a duplicate one. So, you know, we only had 84 of us left. So please get your picks in. Don't miss. Uh, and don't pick someone you've already picked. It's, it doesn't uh, seem that hard. I mean, I get it. it can be we're only hard. five weeks into the season, though. Like, it, it shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be that hard. I mean, if you want to win, I mean, that's kind of what you need to do. It's how you uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Washington State is undefeated. My apologies. Um, I said one lost teams. Washington State is undefeated. They've just moved up a lot. You know, uh, they, they they should actually be higher with the, the the strong wins that they have. You've taken two good teams already. You've taken Oregon State and Oregon. Uh, I have, huh? Dope. I've nice. taken Arizona State, Colorado, Cal, and Arizona already. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. see. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll see how this goes. Schmuck. <laughs> uh, well, we got our new uh, Pac-12 power rankings. It's actually, and, and like I said, we went two and three picking against the spread. Thank you, Arizona, for pulling it off there. I felt really good about these picks and then just some weird stuff. 
yeah. what's happening. You know? Yeah, I mean, we'll get into it during the games, but I felt like two of them could have gone a different way. Um, one was destined for what it what ended up happening. Yeah, uh, for sure. Okay, so let's go through our uh, the uh, what we call our if that works Pac-12 roundup. All right. So uh, first up, we had our number twelve team, Stanford Cardinal, and they were hosting what is our new number one team, Oregon Ducks. Or they might have been our old number one team. I don't know, but whatever. They're number one team. Yeah. Um. So this is one that felt like it could have gone a different way. Do you want to know why it felt like it could have gone a different way? Because it was going a different Stanford way. Stanford was shutting them out. Uh, Stanford had a six nothing lead to begin this game, uh, and that wasn't like six nothing. They scored a touchdown on the first play, and it was six nothing into the second quarter. Oregon hadn't scored, and sure, sure, sure. Did they win forty two to six? Yes, yes, they did. But it felt for a minute, for like that briefest of glimpses of a future where Stanford isn't trash. Like, Stanford might actually cover the 27 points in this one. Uh, they didn't. Uh, they didn't score after that. Let's see. When did they score the last points? Oh, it was at the beginning of the second quarter. It was a very long drive. It was a drive that started with six minutes to go in the first quarter, and then they scored at the beginning of the second quarter. Uh, they didn't score again. I'm not sure they had, a, like, a successful drive of any sort after that. Yeah, so – Here's what they did after their second field goal drive. So they scored twice in two drives. That's great. Stanford rate. Uh, then they went uh, five plays, five yards, three plays, four yards, three plays, eight yards, three plays, six yards, 12 plays, 46 yards, turnover on downs, five plays, 24 yards, turnover on downs, and then 13 plays for 32 yards, turnover on downs. That's not the way to finish a football game. Not ideal not what you're drawing up in the huddle. They only had four second-half drives, five total in the first half. Nine total drives for Stanford seems about right, um, historically. Uh, but they were very bad. Uh, Oregon uh, remains very good. Bo Nix was excellent in this game. He only threw five incompletions. Um, only four touchdowns, though. I want to see a touchdown rate slightly higher than your incompletions when you're going against a cupcake. <laughs> and uh, he didn't quite manage that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Oregon shut him out after, again, uh, the first few seconds of the second quarter and put 42 on him. We got people upset that we have Oregon number one. I thought, I don't remember. Do we have Oregon? Who's mad about that? Uh, EVS. We said Washington had a better win. The Beavs had a better win. I mean, this was a blowout road win. USC and Washington both struggled on the road to win. Oregon showed they could win on the road. Now, to be fair, and this is going to be, you know, this may be like a little inside baseball. I think it's hard to win on the road in the Pac-12, but I'm not counting the Bay Area as a road game anymore. Like that, Cal, playing at Cal, playing at Stanford does not count as playing on the road. So that's, I'm, I'm changing, like I'm, my model of how I'm picking these games, I was going, you know, hey, road teams, whatever. And, uh, you know, road teams are going to have a hard time. I didn't listen to the USC. I should have done that too, but um for Arizona, that's why we had it. I thought the same thing with Arizona State. They would have a hard time, but it's not not hard to play at Cal, not hard to play at Stanford. So Yeah, and so uh, I, I think anybody who's saying it should be Washington or even Washington State at this point, that's fair. You have an argument there. Uh, totally fair. I think the only, those are the three schools that have a legit argument right now. I think we'll get to USC in a second, but they've shown enough flaws now that, okay, we got to calm down on 
they're going to race through the Pac-12 talk and just see if they can actually, you know, maintain a defense for an entire game. Um, but uh, there's three teams that have a legit argument for number one this week. And I mean, Oregon had the most dominant week of those three. So they're number one. Yeah. Stanford had one red zone trip in this game, David. One. Is that bad? That's not good. Oh. They got a field goal. Yay. Yeah. Um, uh, the Ducks were six of nine on third down. So they're efficient. 42 un- unanswered points. And if uh, Stanford had 222 yards, it's a good number to write down or just say, but not a good number to have as far as <laughs> the, number, the offense goes. Uh, and this was the exact same score that Oregon beat Colorado by, 42 to 6. But this That's was just what road. they're going to do from here on out. Just beat everyone 42 to 6. Sorry about that, Washington. You're going to lose 42 to 6 to Oregon. <laughs> After the bye. Yeah, so we'll after see. the bye. After the bye, Michael Penix is only going to throw uh, for like 100 yards. Yeah. This one, okay, this next game sort of kind of rocked my world a little bit after watching these two teams the previous week. And uh, maybe I should have seen it coming, but I did not. Number 11. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> and number 10, and not by much. California Golden Bears. And this is the game I was referring to that once you saw basically a handful of plays, you knew which way this game was going. Yeah. Like Cal was not going to run away with this one. ASU came to play. Um, so uh, this game, if you go by like post game win expectancy, I believe ASU should have won. Uh, let me let me let me verify that really quick. But they were sixty eight percent to win. Now it was a, essentially a coin flip. They were uh, the if you threw all the numbers into a box, shuffle them out, and who wins most of the time? ASU sixty eight percent of the time. But how that works out is basically they should have won by two and a half. They lost by three. Um, and yeah, it's a lot more painful losing a game than it is to win. But they were very close to taking this one, um, and they did a lot of things really well. Um, I thought the way the way uh, Denny Killingham called the game, I thought again showed that kind of. Um, creativity uh feel for you know what things need to happen at certain situations he was really aggressive again uh somewhat to asu's detriment but really aggressive again it's just um they've got a horrible punter like their punting situation is awful they lost field position horribly in this game um and that set up cal with enough you know close-ish drives that they were able to cash in enough um but this was really a game that asu should have won uh, once again, the uh, best quarterback in the Pac-12, uh, Cameron Scadabo, uh, was one of one for 18 <laughs> yards on a fourth down. True. Uh, and he threw it to Trenton Bourget. Nice. I love the throwbacks. Yes. Um, so it wasn't even a throwback. It was Trenton Bourget running down the seam and having to catch a ball in traffic. Uh, he had to high point it. It was awesome. Um, but uh, this was, I mean, I think if you're an ASU fan, obviously the season's like the season was a wash before it started because of uh, dumb Ray Anderson and, right, and yeah. all his dumb crap. He's gone, right? They, they, yeah, they, they, they he, got rid of him. They got rid of Ray Anderson? Yeah, yeah. Sayonara Ray. We didn't cover that at all. Um, did, Wait, did that really happen? I thought so. I was joking. No, I thought he did. Wasn't there a tweet? No, there wasn't a tweet. It's a lie. Are, Fall, fake are news. You, are you like, hold on. No, I think I got... Just like you said, Utah and Colorado were leaving the conference. Yeah, you yeah. just kicked Ray Anderson out. <laughs> and of just Arizona. Kicked, kicked Ray like, Anderson. Like literally, out. I was making a no, joke, no, no. and then no, you're no, no, like, no. "Oh so yeah." So I saw a tweet, and then I remembered in real time that it was a joke tweet, but I didn't remember it early enough to not say it. 
because um, it's like um, it's like I time traveled back to the moment I originally saw the tweet, but gotcha. not the three seconds afterwards where it turned out to be a joke. You just made all the Arizona State fans yeah, very so, happy. I'm and so sorry, upset. ASU fans. Um, so so. Kyle, <laughs> sorry let me put about this in that ASU fans. Ray Anderson is gone. <laughs> yes. Yes, Kyle. According uh, to David Woods, Ray according, Anderson uh, report, is no report longer from the podcast of champions. Uh, Dave Woods reports that one of the Ray greatest Anderson athletic directors in not only Arizona State history but, but Pac-12 human history. human history. Um, human, yes. My point being, oh. uh, ASU season was done, and so now you're just looking for little bright shining moments. I think the fact that Kenny Dillingham has figured out that he needs to be the play caller and he needs to be it needs to be his offense and he needs to just own it is the biggest and most important development. Not one that I thought ASU would need to have. Like, I, I thought it was going to be understood. We hired you, 33-year-old dumbass, because of your cool <laughs> offense, not because of your ability to hire shitty Cal offensive coordinators. But he seems to have realized it now. He realized it after three games, so that's good to see. And now, hopefully, uh, ASU's bright future can come into view. But um, it was a good game. I thought they played well. And Cal just, they have Jaden Ott, and he's really good. So that was really the end story for them. I still think their quarterback play is really poor, but they only played one in this game. Cal only played Sam Jackson. Okay. Um, which was better is such a huge word. It has so many like connotations to it. I thought it was slightly better than what we've seen in recent weeks from them. Uh, a little bit more continuity. He just has an annoying tendency to run around a lot back there and then not quite be fast enough or decisive enough to make a positive play out of it or a positive enough play out of it. Uh, takes some big sacks, um, and he's kind of small. He doesn't shake off tackles very well. So I'd like to see just a little bit more decisiveness from him. And if that comes, I could see him being a, a more of a net positive at quarterback, but um, he needs to be more decisive when he's running the ball. This uh, this game concerned me a little bit because if you saw Cal, yes, Cal was um, down 14 nothing before Michael Penix touched the ball last week. But on the road, they got, it was like, what, 500 yards of offense or something? Like, they actually put drives together. They look pretty good. And this one, at home, against struggling Arizona State, 326 yards. Um, and ASU put up 430. It's the most yards they've had all season. This was baffling to me. I thought Cal could come home and, you know, keep that offense going. But it was almost like, oh, it's a close game. We're going to go back to the no offense philosophy instead of, like, trying to score and things like that. Um, Ott is Jay Ott's amazing. He had 165 yards and uh, 29 carries for 169 yards. Cal is 4-0 when he goes over 100 yards, so that's a good indicator there. Um, ASU got a lot of yards, but they they kept getting off the field. They were three of 15 on third down, and Cal was actually pretty good. They were seven of 18, you know, but just it just didn't look like they were offensing like you should be uh, offensing. So um, Arizona State also got a bunch of negative plays. They had eight tackles for loss. You know, you can't let that. It's really Cal's not going to be able to overcome stuff like that. So um, maybe the defense was a little bit different with Washington, but man, I, th I thought Cal's offense would actually look decent against Arizona State. It is amazing. They did not. It is amazing because Ryan was so invested in his uh, pick against the spread that he's talking about Cal as if they lost this game. They won. Oh, they won by three, but, but they didn't win by 12 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> That's what matters. <laughs> so beautiful, but they like you said they should they should even they should have lost. Um, yeah, no, Cal, Cal. I think I expected more from Cal. In this Cal game. was lucky to win this game. It, it, I get it. Like you get a pick six and a punt return for a touchdown or whatever it was to start 
the Washington game, you're down 14 nothing, and you know Washington's going to score. It's in Seattle. Like sometimes shit like that happens, right? You're just it's just it's not your day. It was not going to go right, but I thought they kind of fought back. Oregon State, it wasn't their day when they went to Washington State, but I like the how they fought back. The, the moxie. End. There was some moxie there. Cal showed moxie on the road in Seattle and did not at home against the Sun Devils, which, and everyone say like Drew Pine was, I, I thought Drew Pine was going to be their starter, was hurt. They're like, oh, he's the third string quarterback. I thought he would be their number one guy. He balled out against USC at home and then, you know, ends up getting hurt after getting sacked eight times. And they go back to Borgay, who was the dude they had last year, you know. Um, but I thought he did pretty good at the end of last year. And, you know, he was all right. Um, he was fine. But I was just, it's just one of those things where. He made it through the game unscathed, which is really what you're asking that for is, out of an yeah. ASU quarterback these days. Uh, that, it's just, they've had so many injuries, like you don't want to do this. But yeah, Cal, I mean, I tried to back you, Cal. I can't do it anymore. So I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you. All right. Uh, we got our number nine team. Arizona Wildcats. Wow. And uh, they were hosting. That means you got to go to Tucson, baby. You got to go from the Pacific Northwest to the freaking desert. We got our number two team. It didn't work. Washington Huskies. <laughs> the one game that went according to script. Like, one, according to what we thought it we would needed be. This, at the, this was the nightcap. We needed this And it one. was the one that started probably the worst for us. Yes. Because Washington went up 14 nothing, and it felt like, oh, crap. And and Michael Penix Jr., he wasn't throwing deep at all, but it was just like these little dink and dunks just marching down the field. Um, but then Arizona, man. Arizona came back. Here's Here's the one big overarching takeaway from this, which is a very good Washington team traveled to the desert and escaped – without losing right yeah like if we're going back through history that's that's quite the feat for washington uh so that shouldn't be discounted did they sleepwalk halfway through this game yes um does their defense i mean i thought defensive line wasn't great uh to start this game um for washington not to start this game throughout this game for washington um you know struggled to get enough pressure on fafita struggled to um just deal with uh everything they were doing and kind of their short game um but uh you know offensively doing just enough michael penix jr didn't throw a touchdown in this game you know it was a lot of kind of dinking and dunking and not hitting any of the kind of big things we've seen um but they pulled out a 31 24 win right that's not too bad it's okay and it's a win it's five and oh um and i think for arizona the big takeaway is um Noah Fafita isn't great. Like, we all know this. Um, he's got a little bit of walk-on energy. Like, he's he looks like somebody who, you know, uh, scrapped as a preferred walk-on and is like your fourth-string guy, but three guys ahead of him got hurt. Like, that kind of player. But I think I'd still take him over Jaden Delora because the lows are not as low. Um, with Jaden Delora, he can absolutely win you a game, but more often than not, he's going to lose you a game. Yeah, I don't know that Fafita is going to necessarily win you games, but he's also not going to absolutely lose them for you. And with Arizona's defense looking, uh, I think definitively better, you can say now. Yeah, um, and you know. Assuming Michael Wiley comes back at some point, their run game being passable and it being a well-schemed passing offense, Fafita just needs to hit some throws. I think all that, you take him instead and see if you can eke out a couple more wins this year from what is a daunting final slate of straight stretch of the season. But for Washington, I don't think you take away much. I think it was the classic, you had a sleepwalking game in Arizona, and instead of losing, you won this time. 
yeah, for you. I would agree. It was a little concerning that uh, Penix didn't throw a touchdown pass, so they were you know very effective on the ground. Uh, and we had people in the chat saying this, and if you watch the game a little bit, it did look like Arizona was sort of trying to take away the big strike and making Washington, um, you know, kind of get out, you know, smaller plays and, you know, move the sticks, things like that. And, you know, we we talked to Jason Shear about it. Arizona State's – Arizona State. Arizona's defense, uh, they added a bunch of guys. looked like it was going to be better. And I think they've to, – to, to hold Washington, you know – under their, you know, well under their season average where they were just scoring at will. Uh, I thought that was a really good sign, especially when it didn't start off well. It wasn't like if Arizona came out and like was up 14 nothing, and then sort of like, oh, then Washington came back and, um, you know, they eventually won. And, you know, the, but this was, uh, you know, showing some moxie and showing you got to bounce back and, uh, you know, take the first couple blows, you know, and, and that's what Washington, you know, they were able to do that against Washington. So uh, I thought that was good. Um, Washington's defense. I mean, there's some questions there. Fafita was uh, 27 of 39, almost 70%. Um, three touchdowns with a pick, 232 yards. Um, but Washington is, they're picking off some passes. They have uh, eight interceptions uh, on the season so far. And uh, they only had seven all of last year. So that that aspect is getting better. But there's definitely some questions on the defensive side of the ball. Um, should they have won by more? I mean, they're favored by what, 18 and a half or something like that. Sure. But I think we've seen it's tough to go on the road and, uh, just dominate for most places. And you know, that's what happened here. I feel like Washington was in control. That's fine. Um, but it was just one of those things where, you know, give credit to Arizona. They, they played pretty well in this one. Yeah. It never really felt like Arizona was going to threaten to win. It was all about playing for that cover. Um, I mean, at one point, this was 2810 Washington, uh, yeah. and they just kind of sat on it after that. But uh, credit Arizona. They kept them from blowing them out um, and played the right game plan against Washington, prevented big plays, and forced them to drive down the field. And Washington largely did, but it took them longer, and Arizona was able to eke out enough. Now, can the, I mean, the thing is, if you look at the rest of Arizona's slate is where it gets worrisome. You know, they have to play at USC – then at Wazoo, then against Oregon State. All three of those are top fifteen teams right now. Mm. Then they get UCLA. Then they get UCLA at home. Um, UCLA in analytics system is a top twenty team still. Uh, then it's at Colorado, which USC just saw how hard that is. Then it's Utah at home. That Utah team might be healthy and angry by that point in the year. Yes, November eighteenth. Then it's at ASU. You, you want Utah earlier because you don't. You still don't know this. Well, in ASU and now the Denny Killingham, I'm actually calling offensive plays era, no longer looks like a gimme. So that's, I mean, that's seven straight games to close out the year where I don't know, I really don't know if Arizona is going to be favored in a game. Maybe ASU, but I don't know. Yeah, that's going to be, it's going to be tougher. But, you know, this one we did get right. So that was, uh, that was a, a nice one. Uh, okay, so we had Arizona. That was number nine. So our number uh, eight team. Colorado Buffalo. They're hosting our now number four team. USC Trojans. Right. So this game was fun. Um, mm. Not early. Early this game was not fun. Uh, fun would be the non-correct word, the incorrect word, as some people say, to use to describe this game. Okay. Um, this was 34-7 to in the second quarter, deep into the second quarter. Mm. Um, USC, I think Caleb Williams had four touchdowns. 
through the first at that point. Yeah, yeah. A chunk of the game. Um, it was a blowout. Uh, I was making tweets like USC's going to cover the spread, which was 21 points, by the spread, meaning they're going to win by 42. I think you texted me that too. Yes, because Colorado looked so hapless. Um, you know, they weren't. They were running the ball. I would guess. I would. I would say slightly better, but they weren't able to generate drives. And then defensively, it was like they didn't exist almost. Like it was just uh, Caleb Williams could get what he wanted. Um, so it was. It was that was the situation. Then Colorado gets the ball um, with, you know, a little bit of time left to go in the second quarter, and they drive for a touchdown, right? And so you're like, oh, okay, well, it's a 20-point game at halftime. Um, but then Joe Klatz starts saying, well, if they can score here, and then they can score again to start the second half, you know, maybe they could make something of this. But they don't score again to start the second half, so you're like, okay, uh, USC is going to close the door here. But they don't close the door. They just don't. They score a touchdown. It makes it 41-14. And you're like, okay, it's a 27-point game. That was at that point uh, seven minutes and 14 seconds left to go in the game. From that point on, uh, Colorado outscored them 27-7 to in the final stretch of the game. And the only reason uh, they didn't win the game is that the game didn't go another five minutes. Actually, I'll give you several options. Either extend the game by five minutes or controllables – don't call three stupid timeouts earlier in the second half, blowing all of your time. And also, don't run the ball. Let's let's count them. Let's count the runs on the last drive so for weird. Colorado with no timeouts. There right. were, there were they booze. get the ball. Hang on. Yeah. They get the ball at their own 22 with six minutes to go in the game. They're down by 14 points. Here's how many run plays they have. Um, we'll give what we'll say is the Shador Sanders runs. We won't count them. Dylan Edwards run for loss of two yards on the first play. Dylan Edwards run for three yards. Anthony Hankerson run for no gain. Anthony Hankerson run for four yards. Uh, there were four run plays that weren't Shador Sanders scramble for eight yards on that drive. It was a 10-play drive. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, so they burned so much time. They finally score with a minute and 43 to go. But it puts them in position because they have absolutely no timeouts because they stupidly called all of them in the first, in the second half. Uh, they have to uh, then kick the onside feet, onside kick and get it to have any chance of even continuing in the game. They don't. Game's over without even without even getting a chance to make your defense once again show that it can stop USC's offense. Yeah, it was such a poorly managed game and such a disservice to like the overall team that had just mounted this incredible comeback. Clack kept saying the second half, and I agree with him. He probably had, like, he probably, he's a Colorado guy. He probably had an inside source in the locker room. He kept saying, you know, I really strongly believe that Deion Sanders challenged them at halftime and said, if you want to keep, if you want to keep starting, you show me that you want to start. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that was the message because he kept saying it. You don't keep saying something like that unless you actually know what they said. Um, and then they responded. Um, the defense responded. Like, I mean, this was partly USC kind of, you know, being USC at the end of a big blowout, but it was also a little bit of Colorado started stepping up and playing some tougher defense, tackling better, and then also guys on offense started showing up. Like Omarion Miller, I, did he have a catch in the first half? No. So he uh, he didn't have a catch in his career. I'll put a picture of him up there. Right. He had 11 snaps, I think, before the game, and in the second half, he catches that 65-yard touchdown. Or not touchdown, 65-yard bomb that where USC jumped off sides 
and interfered with him, and he still made the catch. You know, like that was his first career catch, sixty-five yards. By the end, you know, he ended up with seven catches, two one ninety-six or something like that yards and a touchdown. Yeah. So a guy that was doing absolutely nothing but was like a four-star recruit. But a but like game. but I don't this people like on USC side might like say oh it was a defensive issue. If you He's didn't good. if you didn't watch this game that kid fucking rocks yeah. like. <laughs> He was catching balls one-handed, like in the crook of his arm while getting PI'd. Like he was doing stuff that you see from like a junior dude who's just off to the NFL after this year. Yeah. Like it was nuts what this kid was doing. I'm really excited to see his future. Um, but it was just, I mean, Colorado played really, really well. And then they they screwed up their own clock. And part of the reason was that USC played some of the worst defense I've ever seen in the home stretch of this game. Um uh, you detailed it a little bit in your tweet thread today, but like not having a safety over the top, um, just allowing big plays to Colorado, just allowing them to uh, crush them over and over again with big plays, big explosive plays, which is the only way that Colorado was able to come yeah, back. The only thing game. you have to prevent, like yeah, that's the only thing you don't want, and you allow that to force happen. them to drive for a long time, and maybe this ends in a slightly embarrassing forty-eight to twenty-seven, but it doesn't end forty-eight forty-one. No. And it was fun. So I went to this one. Uh, it was like a surgical strike. Quick 24 hours in there. It's You can feel it. Like flying to Denver, it was hard to get a rental car. That's, you know, an hour away. Um, I asked the guy at the rental car counter. He's like, we're going to run out in a couple of hours. Like the, when when there's a game, he said, when Prime's there, people show up. And uh, it was packed. I've never seen a game like that at Colorado. The sidelines were packed. Not as many celebrities as they had like announced, but, you know, Kevin Garnett, like LeBron James wasn't there, and I don't think Will Ferrell was there, but a bunch of these names, there's a bunch of rappers and uh, T.O., and it it was a lot. Um, there was a lot of people there, a thousand media credentials, the most, I mean, they are not, this is a hundred-year-old stadium. You feel like you're in like a high school press box. There's one bathroom that they say is, you know, all gender, but girls, you basically have to go downstairs. They don't have food. You, have, you get a voucher and you got to go somewhere. I mean... For as much hype as around this game, it was a little crazy because just like they, they couldn't handle the amount of people that were here to cover it. Could no no media parking. Like they put us in an overflow lot that at seven in the morning was all like full. No but no attendance there to like tell you where to go. It just was kind of a shit show as far as that. But you could I mean, the people following Prime around, they pump his press conference in the press box after the game. This is, uh, you know, they're fully on embracing this. And I think it's going to be a good program going forward. I mean, it's just, there's a lot to change right away. And uh, I'm not sure, I don't know if they're ready for it, but they're 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 kind of there. So that was kind of nuts. Um, the game itself, yeah, like, I like the way USC's defense played in the beginning. I, I was about to tweet out, Shador Sanders, um, they were he was just dinking and dunking. And basically, if they got, you know, if they got the third and short, they were picking it up. But if it was third and long... USC's pass rush got there and they would have to ponder or they turned it over or whatever. His average yards per completion, uh, I mean, he had at one point it was like 29 attempts and like 120 yards, something like that. Like he he was not, these was not, you know, pushing the balls down the field. And then all of a sudden he hits that 65 yarder. And then the second half, all the big plays started coming. And, you know, he went from, six point something yards per completion to 12 and a half. You know, it's almost doubled in the second half. And that's the only thing USC is a huge lead. That's the only thing you can't do is just don't allow the big plays. And they were doing that. So that that's a little frustrating. I know USC fans just want to see Alex Grinch's head on a pike. Um, but yeah, it was 41, 14 
Seven minutes left in the third quarter, which is crazy. Colorado, they converted 12 of 14 third downs of six yards or shorter. So they were really just, it was like a field position thing for them. They were like trying to get some, you know, first down, second down. Oh, it's third and four. Okay, we'll pick it up and move the chains. And that's what they were doing a lot. Um, Overall, they were nine of 18 on third down. And, uh, you know, they end up being, I think, perfect, uh, like eight of eight on third and four shorter. So, um, this was sort of the game plan to kind of control the ball. They outgained USC 564 yards of, of offense. They had uh, 30 first downs. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. They, I forgot. They had 90 plays in this game, and USC had like 65. Um, so they they did a lot of the right stuff to try and get a win. But there's just you know too many mistakes in there. And then Caleb Williams is just too good. I mean, you're like, oh, it was just overshadowed that he was 403 yards, six touchdowns. His first interception of the year is only turnover. And if you last year, David, Caleb Williams through five games had uh, 15 total touchdowns and one interception. This year, even though he didn't play like, you know, the Stanford, half the Stanford game and a lot of the you know, Nevada and uh, San Diego State games, he didn't play. He's got 24 total touchdowns. So nine more touchdowns than he did this point last year, despite playing less. So he. Unless they screw up, I mean, he's got a really good chance to go back to back winning the Heisman, and uh, they need to get the defense fixed because it's it'd be a shame to you, waste. You got to you got to win some. You got to make sure that you win a gaudy amount of games to win the Heisman. I think yeah. um, Caleb's. Uh, I would say Clap made this point, but I think he's been considerably better than he was last year, which is a. It's not a pleasant thing to think. <laughs> like I'm not enjoying the feeling. Uh, he's really good. Um, and that that offensive line, I'm not sure, is good. No, they their their run their run rate. I mean, the they didn't grade out well run blocking in that game. And, no, yeah. um, and Marshawn Lloyd is too good to be doing that. And Marshawn Lloyd looked like he was getting beat up in that game. He, he took a he, big hit. He was get, well, and it wasn't just that one. It seemed like he was slow getting up even after he came back from that one. Yeah, like just he was. They were putting a lot of mileage on him uh, in this game, which is so funny because in games where the run game is working, it's like, oh, yeah, we're not we going to use that. Uh, but in this game where it was like, even when you would get a nice run, you would get tackled hard by some guys. Like, no, no, no we're going to keep going to you. We want you to keep doing this. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it was a it was a good, I mean, throw out all the expectations, it's still good to win in a road environment. But um, I think if you're, like genuinely, um, not even being facetious, if you're uh, if you're a USC fan, you cannot be super excited that you are through five games. You're five and zero, oh, so you should yeah. be excited about that. But um, major warts on your defense, and you haven't even played Notre Dame, Washington, Oregon, Utah, UCLA. Yeah, like that's not great. Um, so USC's got some things to fix. I think if they actually want to. Uh, fulfill their goals for the season. And I would say if you're a fan of Pac-12 team that's going to Colorado, let's see who's still going uh, to Colorado. So Stanford, uh, Oregon State, Arizona, those are the three home games left in the Pac-12. Go check it out. I mean, it is a spectacle. Um, it's crazy. Get there early. You know, it's it's uh, it's pretty nutty situation there. I mean, it, it's good. I mean, to see how bad this team was last year, one of the worst we've ever seen, and mm-hmm. now this excitement, like there's it, how much of a difference hiring a really good coach makes. It's like, duh, like this is what you do. 
and good things are happening. And I think good things will happen for the Buffs, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're already happening, and I think they'll continue to happen. All right. We had a fun meetup at the – thanks to Adam Munster-Tiger, the Dark Horse Bar. It's, like, been around since, like, 1975. A lot of fans came out. We got that's where we watched Friday night the uh, the game we're going to talk about in a little bit, um, which was fun too. Okay, our number seven team, UCLA Bruins. You know what happened to them? They were on a bye. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then the last game we have to talk about, uh, we have our number six, Utah Utes. They're at this little place uh, called Corvallis, where they have a full stadium now. Mm-hmm. Oregon State Beavers. Number five. Number five. Yeah. Um, so, uh, earmuffs, Utah fans. Uh, this should have been an even bigger beatdown. Uh, Oregon State was, and yes, a huge part of it is Utah's injuries. I don't want to, but Oregon State controlled this game throughout. Um, didn't do a whole lot of scoring. They probably should have done more. I don't understand some things Jonathan Smith is doing. Um, they're uh, Damian Martinez is their best running back um, and best by like a considerable margin. Um, he goes like entire quarters without playing. Like they'll just throw in Fenwick and he's just the guy for a while. And they don't, I, I don't really. Fenwick under- did nothing in this game. Yeah, I do not understand their rotation of running backs. Damian Martinez, really good. Deshaun Fenwick, good in situations but there's a there's a clear quality drop off and it doesn't seem like their usage necessarily dictates uh their 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 quality doesn't necessarily dictate their usage cuz it seems like Fenwick's getting a lot more than uh necessarily he should given the relative quality of their play uh that said um it was a, a really good defensive showing from Oregon State uh they did to Utah more or less what UCLA did to Utah uh, held them to seven offensive points. Those seven points came very late in the game. This was a shutout uh, for a long, long time. Uh, Utah wasn't really able to run the ball very well. Um, and throwing it, uh, Nate Johnson, I think, got benched. I think it was a full benching. And then Bryson Barnes came in. But then Bryson Barnes got essentially speared in the, in the midsection uh, on a targeting call. Um, and, uh, he had to go to the hospital. So, uh, hope he's okay. Uh, it sounded like he was doing better. Um, but he wasn't able to do much either. Uh, and then Nate Johnson came back in, uh, led the touchdown drive, but, um, their offense is just so depleted. It's just, it's so hard for them to do anything. Jalen Glover is not a starting level running back in the PAC 12. Um, they just don't, they're, they're running out of bodies. They're running out of guys. Um, they had another injury on the offensive line in this game. I think Spencer Fano went out. Uh, just, it's such a, like, it, people talk about it like, oh, it's a mash unit. But it's like, they're down, like, it feels like they're down their entire first string across both sides of the ball. Like, it's it's insane the number of injuries they've had. And it's, um, what was already going to be a very difficult schedule for them is just being made so much more difficult by this number of injuries. Um that they're still able to play kind of credible enough defense is really a testament to the, I think, um, the system, the scheme, the coaching, the development, all that kind of stuff. But it's, I mean, it's stunning. Uh, DJU, I would say, was, uh, do I want to concede that he was slightly better in this game? Maybe. I still don't think he's he there. He was better. He was, he was okay. Uh, he's, I, I still don't think he's their answer, but we saw 
a series of Aiden Childs, which actually kind of killed Oregon State's momentum in the middle that, of this. That that was bad. I didn't like that. I didn't mind them doing it. It's just it did not work. It, the the glimpse we saw was a quarterback who was very very far from ready. Yeah. Um, he threw one ball that honestly, like it didn't look good coming out of his pa- hands, and it, it went for a catch, but it didn't look great. They, they talked about it as if it was like this great throw, and I'm like, he said they got a weird, really weird throwing motion, or that didn't come out right. But either way, um, he then took a couple of sacks, and he started to look kind of like how Dante Moore looked against Utah. So it was very good they didn't go back to that um, because it allowed Utah to tee off for two of their three sacks in the game was on that series. Yeah. Um, but uh, DJU was fine. Uh, he he played okay, and uh, they 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 did enough offensively that they didn't have to um, you know break anything out. But the one thing I would say is Jonathan Smith at the end of this game. I mean, this was almost kind of the reverse of what USC and Colorado were doing because Homeboy started like throwing the ball uh, <laughs> on their yeah. So it was on their second to last drive where. Uh, I think Utah had used all of its timeouts at that point. Yeah. So um, they run it once, and then it's DJU pass, DJU pass, and then punt. And they only allowed uh, uh, a minute and six seconds to go off the clock. And I'm like, yeah, Utah's not going to win this game. You've seen them play offense, but what are you doing throwing the ball there? Just run your damn very good running back. Run him over and over again. What are we doing? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, game of the week, obviously, and uh, you know, for me, this was a fun one to watch. It's a little, it's, it's depressing to see Utah score fourteen offensive points over the last two weeks. You know, they scored one touchdown against UCLA and one touchdown in this one. Um, I hate the whole secrecy around, you know, Cam Rising, Brent Keefe not playing. I mean, those guys were trotted out in July at Pac-12 Media Day. I want to find out, like, has anyone ever had two people go to Pac-12 Media Day and neither of them play? Um, And we're about half the season, you know? And, uh, you know, Utah's got a bye coming up, which is good. If he doesn't come back for that Cal game, I mean, this just is dumb to me. Just, like, just say he's not going to be playing. And I hate this. I think this is just... I think you're doing yourself a disservice. And I'm not saying this is causing other injuries, but it just all becomes talking about injuries now. And it just, it's almost like in your head. And that just keeps happening. I freaking, I hate it. I hate that this is a thing. I don't know what you think about it, Dave, but it just, it just bugs me that you can't just be upfront about this. Like, we don't talk about injuries. And if he goes, th- he goes this long, you go, you, you know, you're not playing your quarterback or your tight end until at least after the bye week. It's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, just say, hey, they're out for a while. They, they might come back later in the season. Like, I don't got, get why you can't say that. Yeah, I don't know. Unless there's something very strange going on with these particular injuries. But it sounds like from Utah people that this is just the the modus operandi of uh, Kyle Whittingham, where he just doesn't divulge stuff about injuries unless he, you know, kind of uh, capriciously wants to at a certain time. So, yeah, it's annoying. Um, and it doesn't. It doesn't allow anybody to get proper context on how to how to watch the games that they're you know going into. It's like it's like when you show up to a baseball game in uh, September uh, and it's just all the the late call ups playing because your team's out of contention or yeah. whatever. Like I went to an Angels game and like I'm not a big Angels fan these days. Right? You were. 
I was at one time, but that was 20 years ago. Okay. Like, I don't I don't really know a lot of the players, but I know Otani, I know Trout, and I know they're hurt. But, like, I know some of the guys. And I go up, and I'm watching, like, a Sunday game, and it's the last game of a homestand. This is a couple weeks ago. And it's literally every single name is, like, some guy who has, like, six at-bats at the major league level. And it's just, like, <laughs> what is this product that you're putting out here? And, like, you don't let people know, really, before yeah. the game. Like, so I'm just showing up here, and, like... I don't really care, but if you're like somebody who's showing up for like the purpose of actually watching the team that you like, the hell is this? Beer, you can still do beer, hot dogs, and stuff. That's yeah, good. yeah, no, like, and I'm going with my kids, so I don't really care. I'm barely paying attention. I'm constantly getting up and going to the food concession stands, but you know, it's whatever. Um, we had a question or a comment from EVS. Did you see Jonathan Smith's signal to milk the clock? Did you get? Did you get a picture of that? I didn't get a picture of it, uh, but it was. If could, I email it to you right now, you'll be able to put it up. Uh, probably not, but I could, okay, uh, I could no, try. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't have to. No, but literally he's milking himself. Yeah. Yeah. So and like slowly. And that was on the final, final drive. But on the second to last one, it's like, why weren't you doing, why weren't you grabbing your tits on that one, buddy? Cause you should have been milking it on the previous drive. Yeah. Also your Oregon state, your strength is your running game. If you want to milk the clock, just run the ball with Damian Martinez. I guarantee you, even against a stacked box of like eight guys, he's going to get like four yards a carry. Yeah. You give it three times, it's going to work. Um, we both got this one right. Oregon State was favored by four and a half. And uh, we both felt really strongly about this one. Um, did you know this? And I don't know if we would have picked it going in. Since 2014... Utah has been an underdog in eight road games versus ranked opponents. The Utes won three of those outright and went seven and one against the spread. Uh, the lone cover was a 20 to 17 loss at Oregon when they were a one point dog. So they've been very, very competitive in these situations. This one, they were not. Yeah. Um, the five losses in those games, they was combined 15 points. Um, I mean, the offense was just absolutely terrible. The defense is forcing so many negative plays, and you're just like, you got to be able to take advantage of it. Um, it sucks to see that Bryson Barnes had to go to the hospital there. Uh, Oregon State was 0-6 against ranked teams uh, from Utah, so this was the first time they beat a ranked Utes squad, and it was the most points allowed by Utah this season. Um, do you know how many tackles for loss Utah had in this one? How many? 13. Hey! Uh, three sacks. Two uh, of them on Aiden Childs. Yeah. Uh, in the first half, nine tackles were lost in the first half. Um, in the last two games, remember the UCLA game? They've had 24 tackles for loss and 10 sacks combined. Uh, four three and outs, seven of the 12 drives were 10 yards or under. I mean, they did a really, really good job on defense. Oh, and speaking of their injuries, Logan Fano, uh, one of their edge rushers who uh, got a sack, Literally on the play where he recorded the sack, he tore his ACL. He's oh, jeez. Yeah. This is terrible news. Um, Oregon State only allowed 198 yards uh, on 63 Utah plays. That's 3.1 yards per play. That's very, like, 1920s football there. Um, each team only had one red zone trip. Uh, Oregon State scored a touchdown, and Utah had a turnover. Yep. So just it was painful to kind of watch. Some of the Utah offense it's just like you got to be better than this. Like you're, you're the two-time defending Pac-12 champs. You, you need to, you need the offense up. Kyle Whittingham talked about how important offense is in the offseason. and it's almost looked like they yeah, just didn't it's important care. as hell. But they've got like four healthy players. No, they got more. I mean, 
You knew he wasn't going to play. You knew, like, you. They were playing a pig farmer at quarterback. <laughs> and I know he's hurt, and I don't feel good about saying he's a pig farmer, but, like, they're not playing their best here. And so, yeah, should they be better offensively? Sure. But they're without Jaquindon Jackson, who wasn't even their first string running back. That was Bernard. Uh, and and now they're down to Jalen Glover at running back, who looks like a slot receiver. Yeah. Um, like, they just don't have a lot. And I don't think they have – they don't have quarterback play to push the ball outside. Uh, their offensive line is getting more and more depleted all the time. Their tight end room is also getting depleted. Thomas Yasmin went down in this game. I don't know if he came back. I thought he came back, but, but yeah. But he looked a little hobbled. Um, but, like, they're just – they're dropping dudes. Yeah. Um, and I think the fact that they're still able to be competitive speaks to um, uh, the development of depth that has come from being able to recruit at a slightly higher level. Because when you get to their second and third string, it's no longer, oh, damn, we're getting into Mountain West territory here. It's This is a Pac-12 guy who's going to be a Pac-12 guy who's just young or he's just you know behind some better dudes. But like they're not getting into, whoo, this guy's a borderline a, you know, FBS player. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I think, if you're looking for a bright line in this, in these injuries, it's that for Utah. Yeah. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back. We got a lot of questions to get to and uh, we'll be back in a minute. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All righty, we're back here on the podcast of champions. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We appreciate all of that. We got questions. We got some voicemails. We did get, I think we got an email. Garrett wrote us last week um, and he talked about, you know, he's a recent grad uh, and he's married. And I think you made a joke about him being like a child or something. And he wrote back, he says, LOL, I'm not a young child. I just finished a master's degree. Thanks for the insight. And I, too, also love Petros. Keep it mediocre. Best Garrett. Okay. So that was nice. All right. Well. But remember, you remember that? What we were thought yeah, so he's like. at least 25. Yeah. But he, was, he got a master's. It wasn't, you know, I think he said it was like a recent grad or something. Um, we had a voicemail here. You want to start with that? Sure. Okay. I'd love to. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Dylan from Albuquerque. I uh, just wanted to leave a voicemail for the show coming up on Monday. Hey, I just, you know, I've been listening to, there's been a lot of big noon kickoff games for um, USC, Colorado Pac-12 teams, and I'm really getting sick of Gus Johnson. This guy is losing it. Um, 
he just said in the game right now that when Eric Gentry uh, blocked that punt, he said there's two 18s on USC, Gentry and Wolf, but we couldn't tell which one it was because there's two 18s. Isn't that your job, why you get paid millions of dollars to do your homework, to tell which 18 is which? And obviously Gentry is a freak. He's like 6'6 with a 7-foot wingspan. You can't tell him from a from the other 18 who's white. You know, this has been going on with Gus Johnson since the beginning of the year. In the Colorado-TCU game, he, he called a missed field goal incomplete. I just think he's losing it. Um, you know, I like Joe Klatt. It's just, uh, you know, Joe... You know, Gus Johnson's losing it, guys. I just wanted to see what you thought about that. Fight on. Dylan from Albuquerque. So, uh, thank you, Dylan. And you don't have quite the uh, exact same thing that... So, there's a lot of USC fans who came away from that game thinking Gus Johnson was biased. Um, You've not listened to enough Gus Johnson calling football. He's not biased. He's terrible. (laughs) Uh, He's he's really bad at... uh, I've got a soft spot in my heart for him for calling basketball because it was the USC, the UCLA Gonzaga game. But uh, he's always been horrible at football. Always doesn't see the game. Well, doesn't know the game well and has never gotten any better. I think any impression you have that he was good in the past, he may have gotten excited during a game that you were watching. That's probably it. Yeah. Because calling like the minutia of a game, he is horrible. There was a play in this game where I, Again, this is what I was talking about last week. I, idiot, sitting at home, I can see the ball is on the turf. It is on the ground. The ball is on the ground. It is an incomplete pass. He spends 10 seconds talking about, oh, was it complete? Was it complete? We don't know. Oh, uh. And you can see the ball on the grass. And it's like, you have to be able to look at your monitor, bro. You have to have got done this enough to know that you've got to scan multiple things to see if there's anything obvious you're missing before you make a big deal out of something. So he does that, and but then he also doesn't have a good feel for what is actually cool within the confines of what's going on, say, between the 20s. He'll get nice and excited for a big play in the end zone, but something cool, like, say, and this is one of the classic examples from this game, Marshawn Lloyd reverses field, uh, goes to the left side, then he reverses all the way back around the other field and, and takes it to the, I don't know, like the 10 for a long gain, whatever it was. No, that was a touchdown. Did it end up being a touchdown? And Caleb Williams he threw finally, a block. So he finally gets excited at the end. He finally is like, oh, that's a touchdown. But he doesn't get excited for any of the buildup, like any of the cool stuff happening as it's going. Um, he's just bad. It's not that he likes Colorado. He probably didn't even realize which teams were playing that day. <laughs> He's really, really bad at football. He always has been. It's always been a mess with him calling football games. And half the time, Joel Klatt is in the position of having to correct Gus Johnson on what he has just said because it is incorrect. And he'll say things to Klatt to set him up where it's like, you're not setting him up. All you're doing is providing another thing that he has to gently, <laughs> gently like pivot from while also telling you, no, what you just said is wrong. Yeah. Um. It's he's mind-bogglingly bad um and that he has such a prominent role there just speaks to like nobody really understanding because like i'm not a big announcers guy i think they can just like jerk off and be funny the whole time um metaphorically speaking mel tucker are you listening (laughs) metaphor not not in reality um but he's so bad that it takes away a little bit because like it's just the general explanation things of what is happening on the football field that like an announcer could elucidate a little bit more. He just makes it cloudier. Yeah, there, there was an awful announcing post. They were talking about 
that he was. And, I, you know, sometimes I think, we did we talk about this last time with uh, Tim Brando, that sometimes announcers are sort of rooting, for, like if it's a big spread, you would rather have it be close game instead of a blowout, right? And so, but that was weird. That was USC's first touchdown. And Marshawn Lloyd, you know, reverses field. Caleb Williams throws a block. And he was, it was like very just subdued. Um, and that, that was kind of the point of the awful announcing story is, is like he was not very excited on USC scores and he was more excited on Colorado scores. But I, I you know, like mentioning that there's two 18s is fine. And, but you don't have to say like, there's no way for us to know. It's like, yes, there is a way for you to know. You're the guy next to you, your spotter that like that's all his whole job. Like the, the real tall six foot six skinny guy, that's Eric Gentry. Like he's the one that blocked that punt. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big announcer guy too. And usually you're watching games live. It's when are you watch on the replay? I'm like, Oh wow, that's kind of interesting. Or it's funny when you're at the game, not that you go to games anymore. And then someone like tweets something at you. And I'm like, Oh, I haven't thought about that. But it was basically just something an announcer said. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't, you know, cause I haven't, I wasn't watching the announcer. So I didn't know what they said, but yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but he was, uh, he was not good in this game. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do the first text or do you want to do a voicemail? Sure, I'll do uh, Soul Cal. Um, I may be a diehard Cal fan, but I'm realistic. So I'll say this. You picked Cal on the wrong game. If Arizona State is the worst team this year in the conference, then that means Cal will lose to them. Happened against Arizona, and it happened last year against Colorado. Cal has no QB. They still haven't. There still hasn't been any news on who's starting today. But Sam Jackson ain't the game, nor is it, fine, nor is it Finley. Cal will lose by 10 points. Even if we somehow win, it won't be by much. We fans and you critics that hate Cal will basically say we lost and give us a power ranking of 11. But we always choke against the worst teams because in truth, we are looking into a mirror. We are the worst team and always lose not to others, but ourselves. Until Wilcox is fired, which according to his contract we recently acquired, he could be garner he could garner $24 million. So we stuck. So we're stuck until 2027 unless a ton of alumni with deep pockets come out. We might not win another game, but I'm sure we will squeeze one more. We will lose to Stanford because in true Cal fashion, we would, of course, have to, have to lose in the last year of the conference. So go Bears and F. Wilcox. A lot of typos there, but I understand the sentiment, and frankly, I understand the typos. You're angry. I'd be angry, too, and they, if I was a Cal fan. And they won the game. Yeah. And and I think Soul Cal was like thinking we both – I I was picking Cal. I've been on the Cal bandwagon here, and – They've failed me, so I'm not I'm not the Cal hater. Maybe Dave's a Cal hater. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm a Cal hater. Um, as I've said, my niece goes to Cal. I would yeah. like them to uh, be functional. I would like them to be not a boring, shitty mess. But we are dealt. What we are dealt. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we had another. Remember that another caller, or I think it was someone else that was like the Cal fan. They were like, "You're trashing Cal." I'm like, "I picked Cal. I thought they were good." Okay, they're not. Um, Evan from L.A. Usually, I'm just shaking my head at Ryan's hate for all things CU. More hate for me. Uh, you remember your one-win season prediction, right? Okay, Evan, do you remember your one-win season, like, <laughs> last year? Like, losing by 30 to everybody? Like, one of the worst teams we've ever seen? Who'd they beat, though? They did beat Cal. That's right, but alas, when both of you were giving your predictions on the USC-CU game, I felt stabbed in the back by none other than David David Woods. Pretty sure you both said something like taking USC was as sure of a lock as anything you've seen. David was on that one for sure. Uh, there's wrong, and then there's get it completely wrong on recording on a podcast heard by dozens. Dozens is pretty generous. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, not much more to add. Yes, we lost, but my bank account won because I bet heavy on the bus plus 26. No thanks to you jabronis. 
Good for you on getting plus 26. That's, he, was, that's, that, he was on it early. I think so. Last, Ryan, in reference to yours and David's predictions, I appreciate a quote. They were herocious. Um, herocious. I uh, haven't heard that one in a bit. Well, there you go. There you, you go. Um, I will say, Evan in our LA. defense, it was 34 to 7 in that friggin' game at one point. Yes. Uh, this was, I blame your stupid team, the stupid team you cover. Dave was texting me. He was just like, okay, we got this cover. This is great. I'm sitting next to Connor because I pick against uh, the staff. Connor had taken Colorado plus 21 and a half, had already so you're, conceded. You're starting to talk shit to him. He would, I, you know, I was, I was back. I wasn't doing it, but he was, he was already like, you know, graciously b- taking the bow and like, good job. You got it, you know, and uh, that wasn't the case, but no. All right, we got to motor through these because I got to leave at 250. Oh, okay. All right, this is from uh, Dave. Dave, is Big Ten too big? Follow up to my question last week on super conference scheduling issues. By super conference, I just meant next year when the Big Ten is just super big, not some future hypothetical conference that gets rid of all the mid tier teams like Rutgers and Oregon. Uh, he's a Washington guy. Uh, from my understanding, <laughs> really from my understanding of the Big Ten scheduling under the new Flex Protect Plus scheduling model, uh, it's such a stupid name. Thank you for putting the TM there. Uh, scheduling model. There are these are two schedules that could realistically happen in the new Big Ten conference: Oregon versus number one Washington, number three Michigan, number five Ohio State, number seven USC, number eight Penn State, number nine Notre Dame, number nineteen UCLA, and number twenty-one Maryland. Purdue versus Indiana, Michigan State, Northwestern, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, Rutgers, Nebraska. Oregon could easily go 0-9 and be last in the conference standings, while Purdue goes 9-0, tied for first in the standings, without playing each other and having no common opponents. How? Laughing emojis across the across. I've the never seen entire, this many laughing emojis yeah. in my life. I don't know what my question is anymore. Can't stop laughing at how funny the Twitter meltdowns would be. Uh, bow down to Washington, L-A-D-O-N-D-W-F-D-Dub, 30 uh, pound. Bow down to Washington, little odd duckies, om nom ducks, what's for dinner dogs, up by 30, hashtag Troy Franklin sleeper agent. Wow. Um, that was good. Uh, I don't think <laughs> – I think they, they have to, with a, with a league that size, they're going to have to do some sort of – power rating and maybe it'll be like a last three years power rating when they make the schedule or something but they're going to have to otherwise not this extreme but something akin to this could happen yeah and you can't have that you cannot have a situation where purdue ends up in your big 10 championship game no ever true all right uh brian wrote in utah's now 2018 ish cal remember when the joke was i think he means cal shouldn't try to offense and that Chase Garbers was the greatest QB of all time. He was the greatest in the Pac-12 for sure. MVP of the Pac-12, I would say. Absolutely. Uh, well, let me introduce you to my 2023 Utes, the new version of those terrible Cal teams. As the UCLA game showed, Utah is better off without trying to offense. And it's clear now that Cam Rising is the best QB of all time. Just think, if the rules allowed for the Pac-12 to combine the USC offense with the Utah defense, the conference might finally have a playoff team, except that Alex Grinch would still probably find a way to screw it up. Keep up the mediocre podcasting. All dozens of your fans. Thank you both. Uh, we got a lot of dozen fan jokes here. Uh, that's <laughs> from Brian. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, um, I don't think I don't think Utah's situation is that similar because Cal wasn't like destroyed by injuries. They were destroyed by Justin Wilcox's continuing ability to understand that you need to have a good offensive coordinator and not a terrible one. It mm. was like he was. It was like. It's like Justin Wilcox really wanted to win practice. 
right? He really wanted to consistently beat the shit out of his offense in practice and build up the confidence of his defense. So he just kept hiring guys like Bo Baldwin, who again was hired by Denny Killingham this past offseason for some reason uh, to call plays for real. Um, and just hiring them to make make his defense look better in practice, like he was trying to win some sort of award for practice play. Um, as a side note, um, would USC's defense uh, with Utah's personnel be just as bad if coached by Alex Grinch? Oh. Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, I think they would be pretty friggin' bad. Um, he's not a good defensive coordinator. They should have fired him in the offseason. Uh, a real program would have. Washington State, which is a real program, not one with playoff considerations, made an offensive coordinator change after year one of Jake Dickert. Year one, and they hired some 27-year-old who's just gangbusters. Doing well. Uh, USC, you had year one where your defense absolutely kept you from being a playoff team, right? Yeah, it did. Say that definitively? Definitively. And, and you, you went back to the well. Come on, homie. Yeah. And somebody asked in the chat, what's the worst part of the defense? What do I think the issue is? It's not personnel. It's not. Not. Don't fall into that game. Don't start talking about Tackett Curtis this or Mason Cobb that or Max Williams was out. That's the stupid game. You're getting into the stupid game. Don't do it. It's your stupid defensive coordinator. All those guys, every single one of them, you will be amazed how much better they look if you've got a competent defensive coordinator. It's the way this always works. Do not fall into these personnel arguments. Oh, they got a bad safety group. They got they got shaky corners. No, they don't. They don't. They'd all be fine if you had a better defensive coordinator. Because a better defensive coordinator, he hides those weaknesses. He accentuates your strengths. He doesn't make it dependent on you having your best safety back there to make one lone saving tackle. No. There's a whole system in place to prevent the like the onus being on any part of your weak position groups. Yeah. But you have Alex Grinch instead. Nice. That was Jacqueline. Thank you, for Jacqueline, for the question. It was a good question. Um, okay, we got a voicemail uh, on that subject. Hey, Brian and Steve. Trevor here. I had a quick question for you. Uh, you know, I was forced to wake up at 8.30 in the morning on Saturday to watch Alex Grinch uh, coordinate, I guess, a defense. Uh, I felt a little like Alex in a clockwork orange. Uh, but... As uh, Grinch was ruining my Saturday before noon, a horrifying thought popped into my head. You know, I've always had a bit of a fear of a singularity occurring. Um, as we all know, singularity is when uh, the density of matter becomes infinite at a particular point in space and gravity becomes so intense that space-time itself breaks down and ceases to have any meaning. And, you know, there's a, a chance that USC could play in the Holiday Bowl this year against Iowa. <laughs> and so I just want to get your guys' thoughts on what what is the percentage chance that were USC and Iowa to meet up in the Holiday Bowl, that at the moment a Brian Ferentz offense ran a play against an Alex Grinch defense, that a singularity would occur and space-time would break down. And uh, all life on Earth, in fact, the Earth itself and the entire solar system would be enveloped into a newly created black hole. I just think it's something worth thinking about. And I was wondering what your guys' thoughts were on it. Thanks. Okay. 
<laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. So on the flight back, we like rushed out of there because the game was early in Boulder. I just said I decided to make our flights move it up to Saturday night, and uh, but I made it like five ten. I was thinking the game was nine a.m., but it's ten a.m. local time, so it was going to be a tough like made it. We took a rickshaw from because the there's the shuttle service was terrible. Like to to get to like the reserve whatever our parking thing was, I paid this guy forty bucks and three of us in this rickshaw like going down the sidewalks. Going he, the guy was great. It was awesome. But anyway, we make it there on time. On the Southwest flight, you can watch live TV. So I, they didn't have the Pac-12 network, but I could watch different games. So you I was Ohio watching Michigan State. <laughs> Ohio State, Notre Dame was on. Um, I think Alabama, Mississippi State. I don't know. There was there was like three legit games. I was watching a little bit Georgia Southern, like Clay Helton, you know, former team. But Iowa and Michigan State were on, and I watched that the most. And just and you would see like, oh my god, like Michigan State turned it over, and that's why Iowa got that field goal. And then. They they were scored thirteen points and it was like in the fourth quarter, and I saw they end up scoring twenty six and I was pissed. I was like, wait, how do they get above the twenty five threshold? Because the quarterback got hurt and everything, but they had like a punt return for a touchdown <laughs> yes. or something. It was so terrible. But I was watching it just to see if they could get to twenty five points. Yeah, it was beautiful. And if that happened, yes, we would have. Yeah, no, that. there would definitely be a singularity. It's the you know stoppable force versus the movable object. Um, just it, it would be. Absolutely beautiful. That was a great voicemail. That's an awesome voicemail. He's like, yeah, definitely one of the best. Was it Trevor? Is Steve that... Trevor. Steve Trevor. I love it. And he calls yeah. us. What do we? He calls us Brian and yeah, something like that. Something like that. That's right. Okay. All right. This is from Mark in Vancouver. Uh, more potential. This is the next one, right? Okay. Yeah. More potential situations for Washington State, Oregon State. Hello, champions. The Pac-12 versus Washington State, Oregon State court date is set for next month, and here is a potential outcome. Currently, Washington State and Oregon State are seeking to legally establish their position as the only members of the Pac-12 Conference after 2024 in order to claim the conference's assets and NCAA units. Klyavkov and the Traitorous Ten want to fold... That's a great name for a band. Klyavkov and the Traitorous Ten. Love it. Uh, ...want to fold the conference entirely so they can split the assets 12 ways. Could the departing members have any pull with their new conferences and media overlords to pony up an offer for Washington State and Oregon State to join the Big Ten, Big 12, ACC in exchange for dropping the lawsuit? Based on the feedback surrounding the initial filing, it sounds like Washington State and Oregon State have a good chance of winning without a settlement. Could offering the Pac-2 a lifeline be George Klyavkov's best chance at a golden parachute? Thanks for reading and keep it mediocre. Mark in Vancouver. Hey, Mark. I, you know, I don't understand some of the nuance of all this and what, you know, with the intricacies. Um, but I think as long as the conference stays together, Klyavkov has a contract. So I think the negotiations would be like getting rid of him. Um, but I, you know, and I think the courts are trying to protect, you know, their rights. I think Oregon state, Washington state should keep the money and go with it, be able to get rid of Klyovkov and kind of go forward however they want to do it. Um, but I think if they keep the conference together and they get more money, they're probably still on the hook to pay Klyovkov. I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, the, the big, I, I think the more interesting question here is whether, as this question asks, can they use, um, the money as leverage with, uh, some of these, departing members and their new conferences say hey we will split this you know 12 ways but we got to find a landing spot um yeah and i don't know if the money is enough to make it uh feasible for that to happen because i think what it would have to be 
is, okay, you give us this money, but then what would the four corner schools, for example, have to give up to the Big 12 to ask for admission of Oregon State and Washington State? Would they have to give up some percentage of their media revenue to offload it to Oregon State and Washington State? And would it be made up for with whatever they give over um, from the Pac-12 money? I don't know. I, I think um, the 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 it would be nice if the traitorous 10, as he calls them, does do whatever's in their power as it is to find landing spots for Oregon State and Washington State in the Power Five, but I don't know how much leverage any of them have. Yeah, this is like you're asking like the worker bees, but they're not making the calls here. So um, it's like, oh, we'll give you you guys a little bit extra money. Like, I don't think Ohio State cares that Oregon and Washington would get some extra. Yeah, you know, I don't think they really care. But. All right, I'm going to do this last one so we can run through it. Quick. Okay. All right, this is from uh, Scott. Questions. Hello, Ryan and Dave. Why is USC football the way it is? Oh, sorry, you dollar sign C football i think there's just a typo of some sort there yes maybe his s is transposed with the dollar sign it could be it could be uh the way it is and what do they have against covering spreads um it's just the way it is i've been it's, bad at picking them in spreads this yeah year. it's alex grinch that's that's it's your problem definitely hurt one it's october so let's get spooky what is more terrifying a vampires b zombies c lincoln riley going to the nfl and alex grinch being promoted to uh, head coach of usc for a hundred million dollars I mean, you have to go see. They're both all pretty scary. If we're going between A and B, what's your what's your take? I'm going um, vampires by far, unless we're talking fast zombies. Yeah, I think regular zombies are just sort of like, um, yeah, they're like the orcs of the D and D world, just kind of coming at you. Yeah, but the vampires, they're smart. They're menacing. Yeah, like they might torture you before they kill you. Right. Too. They could they they could they could f with you for sure. Yeah, a zombie like if it's a walking one, just like get on a roof. You'll be fine. Yeah. And it's always more terrifying to have like one dude chasing you than like a horde of them. Especially probably. if he can fly or turn into a bat. Yeah. Like can. all that stuff. Is... Yeah. And super powered. You know, some of these vampires, they've got like super strength and stuff. Yeah. Uh, he said, why is the answer? Obviously zombies. Zombies is like definitely C on that list. Yeah. I would say for sure. Yeah. Two, I have updated my cage match scenario and will love your opinion. So who would win? Pat McAfee versus a shirt with sleeves and rehab. Uh, it's McAfee, and um, who gives a shit, <laughs> McAfee? I don't really like the way he went all in on Washington State. So, all right, I gotta, I gotta. I don't really like this. Uh, I know you don't have time. Pat, Pat McAfee's no, I've got time for this. Uh, <laughs> Pat McAfee's a, a, a fucking idiot, um, and he's he's been an idiot for a long time. And I tweeted this, but it's it's somehow crystallized as like a foundational truth. The more I think about it, he is a very dumb guy's idea of what a funny guy sounds like. He's very loud. And he says things loud, and he says it in that tone of voice of like, ah, oh, yeah, 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 uh, like that. Um, but uh, the uh, the 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 content is stupid. Like it's just the the most the most obvious or stupid point you could make about a subject. But he does it loudly, and he does it without care for how he phrases it. Okay. So it sounds like off the cuff and and kind of cutting edge and all this kind of stuff. But it's just stupid. It's just the dumbest point you could possibly make. And he's been doing this for years. I, I've never listened to his stupid podcast, but uh, he was. I remember him. He was uh, the the like the uh, on field guy for I think it was UCLA Washington State. And they oh, had really? this whole bit with like cupcakes on the field. I think it was UCLA Washington. Was State. Was he the one that did the cupcake? And thing he was the he cupcakes on the field. It was Washington. They Washington. There it goes. Yeah. And it's just you're a moron um and so before came be, uh, during game day uh on saturday he uh basically 
because uh, Jake Dickard, after the Washington State game the previous week, talked about um, Lee Corso. And I thought it was misdirected. It should have just been directed at ESPN, but whatever. Right. Then McAfee, not McAfee. What did you say his name was? It's, it's McAfee. McAfee. <laughs> it's not. I'm sorry he can't pronounce his own name. <laughs> okay. Uh, McAfee uh, says, uh, basically, uh, Washington State's irrelevant. You guys can all go to hell. You suck. Uh, and he does it in basically the most abrasive manner possible. And then he does it while obviously and clearly deeply hung over on this show to the point where he was throwing up between segments. Like, he's such a buffoon, like yeah. such an absolute buffoon. It was it, sort of about the flag, too. Like, we could, why don't we have like another flag? And it's like, what's, you guys don't put the flag there. Like, these are fans that like send it. Like, there's a whole big thing. You guys ran. Um, bits on this or, or or segments on this where they mail the flag and they've tried to get it up every every week and uh, it's a big deal it's yeah. not like espn's putting that up there it's, the fans are doing it right but um you didn't even know what it was no he's just a he's a buffoon uh all right three what's more likely the pac-12 getting two teams into the playoff this year or no teams into the playoff no teams into the playoff obviously yeah i would say no it's really hard to get two but i, I feel like this is a really good opportunity to get one yeah and lastly, just wanted to say that Wazoo is coming for that fuckla ass this weekend. I think he's misspelling UCLA. He's got some, got some spelling F, issues. Like a capital F in front. I don't know what that is all about. All the best, gentlemen, and go Cougs. Go Cougs. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge game. We got some big games coming up. Uh, we'll we'll preview Thursday, probably. Is that yeah. what We'll do preview and stuff on Thursday. But um, great stuff. Yeah, like, uh, thanks, everyone, for... Oh, uh, Hank Partlow has an important uh, contribution. Matt Mc- Matt Picaffey, which is so true. <laughs> oh, we had to put the wrong Correct. one up. Damn it. Absolutely. Uh, let me put it up. Okay. Well, yeah, thank you for that comment. I didn't get the right one up on the screen. Uh, I know David's got to go, so let's uh, wrap things up. Uh, for David, David Woods, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Make sure you smile at the end, David, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.